I cannot believe we here, ladies and gentlemen. Not an NBA podcast episode two. What? We we got approved for a second episode? No, there's no approval needed. I'm doing this all in the basement of my house. So here we are with episode two. Can we get a round of applause? Not just because we're here for episode two, but if you look on Spotify in this exact moment, just on Spotify because I'm, I'm not on Apple podcasting just yet. It takes two to four days for it to get approved um, for the first episode. And then after that, they will go up simultaneously. So if you're an Apple guy and you downloaded Spotify specifically for this, because I did get that message quite a bit. Thank you. I appreciate that. But if you go to the charts of the sports podcasting world, not an NBA podcast with Kenny Beecham is is number four. <laughs> it's number it's number four. This little thing that I decided um, to just do because I was bored with no backing, with no producers, with no sponsorships, with no editors. With only thing I did was hit my guy Ryan up and said, "Hey, I need cover art. I don't even know how much that's gonna co- cost me. Is that gonna cost me a, a, a fifty bucks? I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? We're number four behind Podcast P with Paul George. I, I understand why they're number one. They actually put together a really good show. A lot of the NBA player-centric podcasts tend to not, I'm not going to say not be good, but they tend to not keep my attention for hour and a half at a time. And Podcast P and his co-host do a great job. Number two is part of my take. The guys over at Barstool. Number three is the Bill Simmons podcast, the most downloaded sports podcast in the history of podcasting is something I heard him say recently. And since he's been around for 100 years, I'm not going to refute it. I think that's probably a fact. And then look at me at number four, not an NBA podcast with Kenny Beecham. Now, I do want to clear up some things from episode one. The name of this show is a working title. Uh, I'm assuming that eventually it will transition to a different name, but I had no names in mind. You know, give me some time to kind of figure that thing out. Is this simply the Kenny Beecham podcast? Is it uh, the Kenny Beecham show? That Listen, working title, not an NBA podcast is fun, but there are some people that DM'd me literally thinking it wasn't an NBA. I mean, for, wait, 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 it's not a podcast. I do want to say it's not a podcast, but people thought I was on here talking about One Piece or I was on here talking about... I don't know, sneakers or something. I'm still talking hoops, but it's just not a, it's just not a podcast. That's, that's the real thing. It's not a podcast. It's a collection of thoughts. And you know what I was thinking about earlier today? What a transition from Kenny Beecham. It's like he's been in this game for a million years. Pressure. And what teams, players, coaching, organizations, who has the most pressure on their shoulders going into this next upcoming season? Because whether players want to admit it or not, there there is a ton of pressure associated with their job. I mean, when, when it comes to the game of basketball, a lot of people are remembered for the things that they did correctly, for their all-star appearances, for their all-NBA appearances, and, and deeper than that, for their championships. And there are some players out there that have been, of course, all-star, superstar, MVP caliber players for the last couple seasons that haven't been able to hit some of the other marks. At some point, it kind of transitions from, oh, my God, this young rookie sophomore third year player is so good. I can see him becoming a star in this league. And then you get to becoming an all star. You say, man, I think this guy can be a superstar. And then you hit that superstar status. You make all NBA teams and then potentially win some awards. And then once that all divvies down, it goes to, okay, is he going to win? And at the end of the day, that's not a determinative factor for me. Remember, we team enjoy basketball and maybe eventually this this not a podcast exists on the enjoy basketball, enjoy network. 
that's not a determinative factor for me when it comes to determining how great a player is. But if we are ranking, which I don't like ranking, I've mentioned this years and years ago that like ranking is such there's no objectivity to it. It's so subjective that I could have a guy six, you can have a guy third, and neither of us are wrong. But we're supposed to go into a boxing match and just yell at each other to to t- determine who's right. And if we being realistic, arguments in the NBA world, arguments in the world in general right now is who's louder forget the facts who's the louder person who's the most convincing person instead of the facts and in the game of sports it's just not something I enjoy but again part of my job is kind of that for the last couple years me and my dudes over the offseason dudes me and my other co-hosts over the offseason have done NBA rankings and I hate doing it every year but I understand the value I understand people that enjoy these type of things and if I'm going to use rings as a determinative factor in more cases than not I'm using it to determine the difference between the fourth best player and the fifth best player player you know what i'm saying a ring is not making me think oh this 20th best player is probably number five because he was able to raise the larry o'brien trophy regardless regardless of his status in that thing that he averaged 30 50 40 90 that he averaged 12 don't matter he's got a ring so he he objectively has to be higher dwight howard's got a championship with the lakers his only championship does that make him better than what he was before that ring? Probably not because his contributions to that title were minuscule on court. I can't speak. I can't speak to what it was like in the locker room. I can't speak to the amount of emotion driven in it. Like when he posted that picture, we're going to be tangenting because that's what we do. There's no notes. When he posted that picture of him with the Larry O'Brien trophy and him crying and Shaq had his words to Dwight Howard about it, I thought that was lame as hell. And I love Shaquille O'Neal. He's one of the coolest dudes I've ever had the pleasure to talk to, interview, meet, and watch over the course of my lifetime. But that was lame as hell for Shaquille O'Neal to say, take your one photo. That's my Shaquille O'Neal impression. Take your one photo and sit your ass down. You ain't do nothing. Like, though, that's not verbatim, but it was something along those lines. And I thought that was kind of corny from Shaq. And I know that they've had their beefs over the years because who's the real Superman? Um, <laughs> who's the best center in Orlando Magic history? Yada, yada, yada. They have their own beefs and rivalries outside it. But I thought that was kind of corny. But I'm not looking at a, an eventual ring to determine which player is significantly better than the other. Either way, once you take that jump from just pure stardom, I understand the next thing being a championship because at the end of the day we're always wanting more whether it be fans whether it be the players that are actually playing the game we want more Braun came in he was an absolute dog he made an all-star game in his second season we're like okay how good can he really get he made an all-nba appearance okay how good can he really get oh snap he led a team to the finals ended up losing okay now we let let's start thinking about him winning one oh snap he been here for seven he been in Cleveland for seven years he has no championship how good could he really be Those are real conversations about LeBron James, the greatest, second greatest player to ever pick up a basketball. But in the moment, because he wasn't able to beat the goddamn Pistons or he wasn't able to get past the Boston Celtics who acquired some Hall of Fame talent, he couldn't be an all-time great. And that was baloney in the moment, at least in my mind, my young old mind, because he left in the year, what, is that 2011? 2010, 2011, regardless, uh, 2010, that would have made me, uh, man, oh, mathematics is 14 years old. 
And I just saw LeBron greatness in Cleveland where he averaged a million points per game and led a team where Mo Williams was his second all-star and where Sasha Pavlovich and who was Anderson Verizal were starting players on his teams. I've seen him lead those teams to conference finals and eventual NBA finals. And there was no doubt in my mind that he was the best player in ball, but there were some conversations about how good could he potentially be because he hasn't been able to raise the Larry O'Brien trophy. And again, eventually he went to Miami. He raised two out of four. I think that was maybe not as good as they anticipated, but two out of four is still a bunch. And of course, he's got a couple other ones in back in Cleveland and in L.A. But in the midst of all of this, before he got his first championship, there was a ton of conversations revolving around him as a player and even him as a leader, which is maybe crazy to even think about now in 2023 that the leadership of LeBron James is in question. But that was the case. And we're seeing that right now amongst other great players in basketball. And LeBron, when he left Cleveland, he was like 25, 26 years old. He was still young. He had the he just had his rookie deal be done. You know what I'm saying? He was extremely, extremely young. And still, because of the greatness that he showed on court, there was still the conversation of whether or not he could be the best player in the game without winning a championship. We had the same conversations about Giannis. Giannis was a two-time MVP. He was a DPOY, but man, once the playoffs come around, the teams just shrink the floor, and now he's less effective. Could he really be the best player in ball if in the playoffs he hasn't been able to get past those teams? He hasn't been able to raise Illyrio B, and then he did. And then for a few seasons, he was the consensus best player in basketball. But again, there was questions before he got the ring. Nikola Jokic just got his first ring. Shout out to him. He was a two-time MVP, back-to-back MVP. Some people might argue he deserved the third one this season. That's not my that's not my argument, but I'm just saying. But going into the playoffs, after the end of the season last year where they got decimated by the Warriors, it was could could he be the best player in the league? Could he be the best player on a championship team? And again, now in hindsight, asinine conversations because of how talented and how gifted and how good he is at the game of basketball. But those are the conversations. So now we see Jokic has his. Of course, Curry has his. Giannis has his. Kevin has his. And I know his maybe hold different weights to some people. That's a different conversation for another episode. The next player in line. And I'm just looking at rankings based on I just typed in NBA rankings because it's just a way for me to remember uh, who's in a league and who's not, because I do have uh, a, a troubled time with just remembering people off the top of my head. Joel Embiid is the guy I'm thinking about today. And again, getting back to our original point of pressure and ball. There's not a lot of people under more pressure than Joel Embiid and probably the broader picture Philadelphia 76ers. As we know, James Harden formally requested a trade a few weeks ago. I won't say out of nowhere, but I, I was it was just I was just sitting in my living room with, with my daughter just chilling and a notification came that he was opting in and he was requesting a trade. Um, even though there were rumors that he was going to move on to Houston or move on to this team or that team. It happened. Right. And we t- I think we talked about this a little bit on the first episode that I-, I still think there is a world where James is back. But right before I started filming this episode of a collection of thoughts they they were saying that he's very adamant about not returning and that he's very adamant about ending up with the Clippers. Now, the Clippers trade package for James Harden is not a great one. In a vacuum. It's not a great one in a vacuum. You think about the production that James provided, especially during the regular season where he led the league in assists. He was still a really good and important player on a plus 50 win team. Like 
He was great. And then the package that is potentially drawn up with the Clippers is like a Norman Powell. It's like a uh, Robert Covington or a Batum or just a combination of those dudes, uh, Marcus Morris, a combination of those dudes that are making between 10 to $20 million. And if I am the 76ers, I don't really have a lot of interest in that. Because my entire time as I'm building a team around Joel Embiid, I'm thinking, who is his co-star? We've had Jimmy Butler, which, man, what what a time that was. Because that team was really, really talented. They got, um, of course, unlucky with the Kawhi Leonard da-doom, da-doom, da-doom shot that fell in in that game seven. I thought that was probably the most talented team that's ever been constructed around Joel. And it wasn't a perfect fit, right? There was some spacing issues. You, you had J.J. that was providing all the spacing. But, like, you had Jimmy who wasn't a good three-point shooter. You had Ben Simmons who, of course, never shot the three-point shot. So the spacing was definitely an issue. But when you're just thinking about the collection of talent, when you think about how good Ben Simmons was at that point of his career, when you think about how good J.J. and Joel Embiid's dribble handoff and combination of just – if you want to think about a star player and a role player, the type of connection that they have together there was not a lot in basketball that were on the tier of Joel and JJ and then of course you know that Joel was still looking great so they had a great collection of talent they just couldn't close out the series so you go from Jimmy of course you've had Ben the entire time the Ben and Joel fit was rough all the time through but it was still good enough to win a bunch of basketball games Ben was a monster defensively and play make out of this world they never ran uh pick and roll uh, any combination of Joel at the ball handler or uh, Ben as the ball handler. They just never really did it in the times that they were together. And then you had James. And the, the James idea, when you th- when you go back and reflect on how James ended up there, I mean, what a job by Daryl Morey. To have a dude that was damaged goods, at least that's what it felt like across the association and Ben Simmons with him having his back injuries and with him sitting out an entire half of a season – To think that they turned that and a few picks into James Harden, who was just pretty damn good in Brooklyn and has been good for the seasons leading up to that. Like, that's an all-time great trade. And even now, with James requesting a trade and potentially getting out, the trade still looks good. If James is traded to the Clippers for a bag of bones of role players, I still look back fondly on that trade because Ben Simmons was not going to report. Ben Simmons was not going to play. Ben Simmons passed up a shot where Trey Young was his nearest defender at the basket. You know what I'm saying? And you flip that because there was some team out there in the Brooklyn Nets that still had optimism about Ben. And you turned that into an NBA Hall of Famer who was past his prime, I would say. But he's not so past out of his prime that he's not a contributing player. Again, led the league in assists this season. So you've had this collection of different talents and different molds of a, of a team around Joel. And so far... The only progress you've had is a second round appearance. Again, Kawhi Leonard's shot prevented them from potentially getting to the conference finals, but who knows what would have happened in that conference finals? I don't I don't really know. Joel Embiid hasn't reached the conference finals. And all of his peers around there, Tatum, Doncic, Kawhi, Butler, Booker, Davis, Braun, Shea hasn't because Shea um has a small amount of playoff appearances so far. Dame, Donovan, uh, Jamal Murray, these are all of the dudes, according to this ranker, again, I don't care about ranking players, it's just a collection of players, that have at least made a conference finals appearance. And JoJo is still waiting on that first one. He's 29 years old. He's going to be hitting the 30-year-old club very, very soon, and he hasn't had that appearance. And the future of this organization feels grim because James wants out. 
you're not going to get a one-for-one -one value for James, right? So if you want, I mean, of course, making it to the conference finals, making an NBA championship, winning an NBA championship, there is a decent amount of luck involved. And the 76ers have had the op. What is the opposite of luck? <laughs> unlucky. They've just been unlucky. All right. I'm trying to think of synonyms and antonyms. No, no. They have just been unlucky. We think about Joel Embiid, obviously, having years where he was completely unhealthy. Um, ben Simmons had the year in the bubble where he missed completely in the playoffs. And they get, I think they got swept or lost in five to the Boston Celtics. Joel Embiid got hit in the goddamn face in this series against the Raptors. Um, he had the bubble guts in one series and he missed because of a virus. Like, they have been extremely unlucky, and that doesn't, again, account for the Kawhi Leonard shot. You know, that doesn't account for the Atlanta Hawks having an out-of-body experience run that they've been trying to replicate for the past three seasons. Like, all of these things, they have been extremely unlucky, and you think eventually it's going to break. Eventually it's going to break. Eventually it's going to break well for us. But now we have this another unlucky thing because your second-best player wants out. And you maybe consolidating and getting a bunch of role players and allowing Tyrese Maxey to elevate could be the answer for Philly. But to what extent? So you talk about pressure. The pressure is immense over there in Philadelphia because if the trade doesn't go well and Joel Embiid and company, the 76ers don't make a deep playoff appearance, what is preventing Joel Embiid from saying, hey, man, the process was cool. Obviously, I've had my shortcomings and I don't I have not performed to an MVP caliber in a playoff series just yet or an, an important playoff series just yet. Because first round uh, playoff wins when you are the higher seed, I don't really look at those as being like, you know, oh, man, he averaged 40 in that series because it, there was not a lot of pressure on you to complete that series. But like in a, a high intensity series, I haven't been able to perform for y'all. That is facts. But you haven't also put together the perfect team around me, even though you've tried. Daryl has tried. The previous regime has tried trading Dario Sarge and Robert Covington to get back Jimmy Butler. Like that. Think about that trade. Think about that trade. And then a little later after that, you traded Jimmy for Josh goddamn Richardson. So that was an L. But they've tried, but we haven't been successful. So you know what? Shit me to my next team, man. New York, y'all need somebody. You know, who else would be interested? I'm sure a lot of people are interested. He's Joel Embiid. Um, but yeah, when you talk about pressure, that is the first team player that came to mind. The second team that came to mind is the Clippers, man. The Clippers are under as much pressure as Joel Embiid and the 76ers. Now, they have had a conference finals appearance. I was actually at the game that Kawhi Leonard hurt himself and didn't recognize in the moment that he did. Um, it was in that series versus Utah Jazz. This is like slightly post, not post pandemic, still in pandemic, but slightly after the league had opened up. They were only doing 50% capacity at the Staples Center. I think it was still the Staples Center at that moment. And I got tickets to a playoff game. I'm like, hell, let's, let's, let's get it done. You know what I'm saying? And I'm there for it. And when it happened, because there's no broadcast or zoom in on the tweaks and bumps and stuff, I genuinely thought that he just hurt himself a little bit. I didn't think it was going to be an entire thing that was going to have him miss an entire season. You know, in the moment, it didn't feel like that, at least in the in the arena. Um, they, but regardless, Paul George, they win that game. Uh, maybe not that game. They win that series, and they end up in the conference finals. And the Clippers, before that, had never made a conference finals appearance, at least to, to my knowledge. I'm not Googling shit. Um, under the Clippers. Maybe they did when they were the San Diego and, and L.A. They haven't made a conference finals appearance. So that is a huge moment. That is a huge part in the progression of their organization. But obviously, um, uh, things haven't looked good since. Uh, PG and Kawhi have both missed a ton of time. 
Uh, Kawhi put together a really good season where he played 50-plus games this year. Uh, Jimmy, not Jimmy Butler, whoa. Paul George also played 50-plus games this season. And then we got to the playoffs, and the same thing that has happened to them every year happens again where there is an injury. I do want to say, going back to that game that I was at, this is why social media is like, I have fallen out of love with it. Some of y'all may notice I don't tweet nearly as much as I used to. It's just, it's a weird place. But a couple years ago when I was in the arena for that, I, I, I tweeted a picture of me, you know, in the arena because it's a cool moment. It's not a lot of playoff games I've been to, believe it or not. I, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, you feel me? It's not a lot of playoff appearances that I've I've attended. Um, So I'm like, man, I'm in a playoff game, you know what I'm saying? I'm neutral here because none of my, my team is not playing. And somebody asked, what's the vibes like? What's the vibes like in the arena? And I said, just only thing I said was it doesn't feel like a playoff game because it didn't. And, and I guess I needed to add more context because I'm saying it didn't feel like a playoff game because it was only because of the state of the world. And Clippers fans was pissed. Of course, Kenny, it doesn't feel like a playoff game. You always say it on the Clippers. It's not, we, we can't have a full arena. That was the, that was the point, gang. That was the point. I'm like, bro, everybody want to be up in, up, up in arms because I think most people are just used, 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 used to people having agendas and not being neutral. When in reality, bro, I am as neutral as it can get as long as uh, team number or uh, team Chicago Bulls are not playing. You know what I'm saying? But people don't think that's the truth. Anytime Kenny's critical of a team, he, he's, he's a hater of the team. If that's the case, I hate the Bulls <laughs> because that is the team I'm the most critical of. So when I say uh, it doesn't feel like a playoff game, that don't mean that Clippers fans suck, that the team sucks. That was just because of the capacity at the arena. And I thought through my, my tweet that that was apparent to, to everyone. But for some reason, there was one demographic of fans, the Clippers fans, that didn't take it at that value. I don't know. I don't know. I just just want people to realize that my job is to hoop, talk hoops and uh usually i do that impartially and i try my best to do that all right back to the to the pressures associated with the with the la clippers because you know you got the conference finals appearances we're going into year number five of this collection of guys and when i mean collection of guys i'm just talking specifically the top two up top because the rest can and has changed throughout the last couple of years where you've seen players in and out but the thing that stands the same are those two um, and going into year number five and the success level, considering what you gave up to make this tandem a thing is, uh, maybe not the, the greatest. Again, the conference finals appearance is dope. Joel Embiid has zero of those and you have one, you know what I'm saying? So like, I don't want to take that for granted, but at the end of the day, when Balmer put this team together, when he traded all of those picks plus Shea Gears, Alexander, the idea wasn't to spend five years kind of figuring it out. It wasn't to spend five years of kind of on the IL and kind of on the court. It was to go win a championship. And I do want to clear some things up because I keep seeing, because it's the offseason and we just be rambling and bored in the offseason, I see a lot of people talk about the actual Shea Gills, Alexander, Paul, George trade. And, and I do want to remind people that that trade wasn't one for one. for It wasn't for Paul George. It was for Paul George and Kawhi. Kawhi wasn't coming to the Clippers unless he had a co-star, right? So they gave up all those picks. And again, I'm not saying it's the right decision because here we are with zero championship under our belt and a core that looks like it might not be done, but it just don't look like there's a 
championship in the near future. Of course, I could be completely wrong. A, a healthy uh, playoffs with those two could net them a championship. But I'm just saying it, it wasn't just to get Paul George. It was to get the collection. And the Clippers hadn't been taken seriously for some time. I think Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin kind of changed that a little bit. But even they struggled to make a conference finals. They had zero of those under their belt in that collection of teams. I mean, we talk about the most cursed teams and the most unlucky teams in the history. We talk about Philly's unlucky history over the last couple of years. Th think about the Clippers. That's all I'm going to say. Think, think, when you talk about unhealthy or unlucky teams in basketball, think about what the hell the Clippers have gone through over the last X amount of years, the last decade, the last 20 seasons, because it's been, uh, it's been rough. So we talk about pressure. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are, very, are up for extensions. Uh, they're 32 and 33 years old. They both have had trouble staying healthy. And they're probably both going to want a full max contract because the talent is otherworldly. Kawhi Leonard is a top 10-ish player in basketball. Paul George is a top 20-ish player in basketball. You know, I'm already expecting the tweets. Those dudes are worthy of max contracts in a vacuum, which is the, the phrase of the day. But considering the health, but considering the team's success and considering how expensive the team's about to be, I don't know if a four-year max is something I would want to do if I was in charge of the Clippers. For both of those dudes? Kawhi, Kawhi played 50 this year again. That was a good season for him. The season before he missed with an injury. He's missing this time. He's missing this time. Paul George is missing this time. Missing this time. A four-year max where Kawhi Leonard walks out at 36 and Paul George at the end of it is 37 feel, feels ridiculous. But if you're Steve Ballmer and you're the Clippers, what is the alternative? Actually, I know the alternative. And it's kind of what they did, right? They explored the options for Paul George. At least that's what was rumored, that they called around and tried to figure out his value on the market. Um, because the writing might be on the wall that he's going to want this amount of money and we don't want to be the ones to pay him that amount of money. Um, I didn't hear anything about a Kawhi Leonard rumor. Uh, Kawhi, for some reason, feels way more L.A. than PG. I don't even know what that means. Um, maybe <laughs> I don't really know what that means. Maybe because he's from L.A. At least that's what I think, um, that he feels more L.A., that they would be willing to maybe reformulate the roster and allow Kawhi to be the guy um, and maybe keep one of them on a max deal. But you cannot do two. I mean, you can do two, but it just doesn't feel like the right thing to do to keep both of them on the same timetable with that amount of money, especially because it's going to pigeonhole you from creating the perfect roster or the roster that needs to be put together to win the championship. So um, maybe you can convince them to take less years on their deal with the same amount of dollar signs just because, again, do we want to be paying Paul George when he's 37, $60 million? Because that's like the market kind of. Um, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. So there's a an immense amount of pressure. And I didn't even mention the fact that they're building and opening a new arena very soon. So, yeah, Steve Ballmer kind of needs something on the roster that Clippers fans can be like, oh, I want to go to this brand new arena to to watch. In that brand new arena, from everything I read, they're going to have a crazy amount of urinals. Random, random thing. A crazy amount of bathrooms and urinals. Because they don't want, which is which I, I kind of mess with, by the way, they don't want a world where you have to leave your seat for more than a couple minutes to use the bathroom. I like that. 
there has been times, specifically at baseball games, I guess it doesn't happen too much at, at NBA games from my experience, where I have had to get up to go to the bathroom to just take a leak and I miss a half of an inning because the lines out of the bathrooms are ridiculous. So, it ha- you know what I'm saying? It happens more in baseball than maybe basketball, but they don't even want that to happen. Uh, a bathroom at the every section because, you know, sometimes you got to walk around a little bit to find the nearest bathroom. Nope, not anymore. You just walk out of section 203 and there's a bathroom for 203 and there's a bathroom for 202 and there's a bathroom for 201. Um, yeah, good practice. Good practice. I think all the modern arenas end up being pretty nice. Um, maybe not aesthetically, but I, I like the high tech of a, a lot of the newer arenas like dog i went to go see uh the rangers play baseball and that's pr- i think that is the newest ballpark in baseball it was magnificent you walked in you get your ticket scan you walked in brother you're on the field you're at the ballpark you know how sometimes you got to go up ramps you got to go around you got to go through the concourse that didn't exist when you scan your ticket you're in left field or at least we were from our entrance, we were in left field and we could like just stand there and watch the entire game. There was no blockage. Um, They had so many different restaurants, like modern stadiums are cool. But on the contrary to that, Wrigley Field is, is cool as hell, too. And Wrigley Field is one of the oldest arenas in, in America. So, yeah, I mean, it's like those middle tier, <laughs> those middle tier arenas. You're like, bro, you was built when? That ain't old enough. Use bit win. That ain't new enough, brother. You, you got you got at least upgrade some stuff, some stuff. And a lot of the times they do. A, a lot of these arenas do make small adjustments here and there. Um, but that is that is beside the point. I mean, the Suns are under a lot of pressure. I don't really want to talk about the Suns uh, right now. I, I feel like a lot of people have talked about them since they traded for Kevin and then uh, traded for Brad and then did their offseason. I think that based on what they were given, their offseason was really good. Um, with basically having nothing but minimum contracts to go out. I think they put together an adequate amount of players that can help contribute. How many of those players are contributing once we get to the playoffs? I don't necessarily know, Um, but they took some flyers on some dudes. I think Kata Bates-Diop, who I just saw in Vegas, who was (laughs) tall as hell, uh, it's it's kind of weird how tall these players really are when, when you when you see them. Of course, you know the number. You know a player is six seven, but man, my five seven five eight self standing next to that six seven player just it looks ridiculous. Um, so yeah, they took some flyers on some dudes that had good seasons that maybe you know uh, maybe had one good season out of four, and you hope that he can replicate that. Um, you use to get some Yuta Watanabe's of the world that are a knockdown three-point shooter. So I'm excited about the Suns, but with all of the things, I mean, Matt Ishbia traded everything in the future to get at least one championship. Um, also, Kevin is under some pressure. But again, that's that's a conversation for another day, I would say. it's It's been beaten to the ground when it comes to pressure. Here are some other teams uh, lower on the list when it comes to pressures. The Pelicans. Yeah, the Pelicans, the Pelicans are under pressure because, well, even though they're a relatively young team with B.I. being his age and Z being his age and Herb Jones being his age, because that's the core, in my opinion. Uh, no, that's that's discrediting some people. But um, it's it's been a few seasons and I guess it's more maybe it's more Zion. But OK, actually, no, no, this goes into a different conversation that I wanted to kind of bring up about pressure. And this is an open conversation, even though I can't hear you, but you can always hit me up um, at KOT for a Q on Twitter, um, can a player that that has already signed a huge contract be under under pressure, especially if we're talking like a rookie extension contract? Because I mentioned how Joel Embiid is under pressure. Obviously, he signed max deals here there. Um, 
But like Joel Embiid has had a lot of bites at the apple going into basically year number 30 where he's had the opportunity to win championships. A guy like Zion, he's he's got paid. He's got the shoe deal. He's got the baby on the way. Uh, I, I just I look at it and say, like, I mean, yeah, it's pressure to perform. But what is the alternative? You know what I'm saying? So for a, when I think about pressure for an individual player, it's about overall greatness in the grand scheme of the NBA slash basketball. And that's kind of what Joel Embiid is that you're an MVP player, right? There's pressure for a guy on the last year of his deal to show his value so he can get that next contract. If it's uh, a lot of money, a little bit of money, or just in general, get a guaranteed deal. But a player like Z who has signed his contract already, he's, he's guaranteed that money. And because he's damn good when he plays, it's not like he's going to get waved or stretched out of that con. You know what I'm saying? I can understand you thinking that he has pressure, and I'm not saying you're wrong in that, but, like, he's got the stuff. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm bugging. Maybe I'm bugging. But I don't see Z's particularly with that, but maybe the Pelicans in general because they haven't had seasons where their two-star players have been able to play basketball together more than a couple games a year. But again, their pressure is not nearly on the scale of a Clippers whose future might be grim or 76ers whose future might be grim because worst case scenario, I mean, maybe this court doesn't work out. It ain't like you traded all your picks away like some of those other teams. You just hit the reset. Actually, you still have extra picks from the Drew Holiday trade, from this trade and that trade. So actually, maybe they shouldn't be on this pressure list. But we do want to see Z healthy in the playoffs. We want we want to see that type of production. I think Dallas is under immense amount of pressure. Um because Luca is really goddamn good and we haven't been able to um I mean I know they had the conference finals appearance I'm not belittling that because again there are people in the league that have not been able to do that and Luca was able to do that at a, such a young age but the current the current st- roster structure is a lot it's it's rough it's rough at the end of the day of course you got the top end talents with with Luca and Kyrie and you know a lot of people are questioning that duo but I mean, that team was so goddamn good offensively with those two players last season. It was otherworldly. And I'm just I'm just going to assume that next season, too, if those two players are on the court together, they're just going to be a really good offensive team. Of course, the game is not just about offense, but the the rest of the rosters where I struggle. And could they afford another season of them being mediocre to not a championship contender? What is the temperature with Luka Doncic? So far, you know, this is this new era of basketball where it's such an international game where we talk about the top players in ball. I'm going to read you again the Ringers' top players in ball in order. Jokic is one international player. Then you got Curry, number two. Giannis, international player. Kevin Durant, Joel, international player. Tatum, Luka international player then you got Kawhi Butler um Booker Davis Braun like Shea who I guess is technically an international player when it comes to top and talent some of the best six players in the league uh four of the top seven players in the league according to this one ranking are international players and we haven't had no we I can't say we haven't had um this type of great international play but we haven't had this many of super, super high-level international players. And we don't know. I know everybody's an individual, but we don't necessarily know where the priorities lie for them. When it comes to American-born players, we kind of have seen that that's most of these people, most of these players are not against saying, hey, I'm going to check up these deuces, dog. 
y'all ain't done this right by me and I want to go to a scenario where I'm happy and I can hoop with the homies, right? Um, Kevin has done it. Kawhi has switched teams a few times. Jimmy has done it a few times. Um, Anthony Davis did it once. LeBron has done it a few times. Like, Dame is is currently doing it. So, like, it's not rare for American board player to do that. But when it comes to the international talent, we haven't seen it to that extent just yet. Is Luka the type? Is, is Giannis the type? Is Jokic the type to say, hey, man, it's been a few years of us being bad to awful. I'm kind of bored with this. Or are they more inclined to stay with the organization that took the chance on them? Because Giannis was, what, the 14th, 15th overall pick, the 42nd overall pick for Jokic. And, well, Luka was one of those dogs, you know, in the top end of the lottery. But, like, a lot of those guys, all they know when it comes to the NBA is that one organization. So would they be comfortable? Would Luka be comfortable going to Mark Cuban and say, hey, man, this just ain't it? Or is it because of his roots and his international play where loyalty is one of the main things? Does that translate over to the NBA? We don't really know. But based on the current roster, it's hard for me to look at this team and say, yeah, they're doing it around Luka. Because what does their starting lineup look like this season? Oh, man, it's a little bit rough. Is it the top two guys? Is it Tim Hardaway Jr.? Is it uh, Grant Williams and one of the centers? That That's, that's cool, I guess. It's missing a lot. It's missing a lot. And it's not like that a lot is on the bench and, and going to get. Oh, no, Josh Josh Green is probably starting at the three. And then we will probably have Grant at the four. And then is it Dwight coming back to the starting lineup? Um, is it Rashawn Holmes? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be lively because he is just so young. Um, even though he's looked good so far in summer league, you know, blocking shots and shit. Uh, it's just that's not a championship quality team. I don't look at that team and say contender. I mean, but when you have one of the top five players in the league, I guess anything is possible. And especially if you have a secondary guy who's top whatever as well, I get anything is possible technically, but those two players can only do so much. So how much longer does Luca have patience? You know, how much longer do they have paces? And it's it's not like the Mavericks haven't tried to, like, do some swings. They traded for Porzingis. They traded for Kyrie Irving. They've attempted these type of things, but it hasn't necessarily worked out. So I, I always wonder that type of stuff, too. With, even with Joel B, who we mentioned earlier, like, it's it's not like the team has been complacent and just okay with bringing back mediocre roster after roster. Every single year, both of these teams have tried to make an upgrade one place or another to put Joel and put Luka in the right spot where they could be successful and of course with that you have some trades that you look back on and say oh that was ugly but on the contrary you have trades that you win and, and things like that you find gems you feel diamonds in the rough like uh Doran Finney Smith was you know being a second year play or second round player or an undrafted player and developing a three-point shot enough to where he's serviceable enough to play big big time minutes and it might have been Zach Lowe who mentioned this on his podcast a few weeks ago where when you look back on that team that made the conference finals appearance majority of the people that played significant minutes on that team are gone. Jalen Brunson, Doran Finney-Smith, these dudes, these dudes are gone. They're no longer a part of the roster. So you, you've basically rewrote this roster in the last two seasons, and it's a, it is a worse roster collectively. And top-end talent is there because uh, Kyrie is that nice. But collectively, I just think that this is a worse roster this season than it was the year that they made their big push. And that's the chances you take when you trade for a superstar caliber player, a star caliber player, and uh, Kyrie Irving. So I think there is pressure on them. Is it immediate this year pressure? Probably not. But I think the, the, the time is, the clock is ticking.
the time is running out or whatever you want to call it all right that those are my pressure teams um whatever i wanted to talk about so so the espies were yesterday as i'm recording this um and, and Le- Le- LeBron has been so dramatic the entire career, his entire NBA career. And I love it. You know what I'm saying? That's not me complaining. I love the dr- dramatic version of LeBron James. He's a meme. He's funny as hell without even trying to do it. And he is super, super dramatic. Of course, we can notoriously talk about how a few weeks ago or a month or so ago, he talked about or hinted at a potential retirement. I don't think anybody really thought that that was a real possibility. I mean, he's got damn LeBron James at the end of the day. And I believe that LeBron is the type of guy that would want a farewell tour, if I'm being honest with you. Kobe's farewell tour from the Outsiders was amazing. I loved it. You know what I'm saying? My boy Kyron ended up getting tickets to the game here in Chicago. He spent so much money. But if I, if I asked him right now, would he do it again? I 100% guarantee you he's going to say yes. Like that was, it was all worth it. LeBron's not going out with no God, without no goddamn farewell tour. So he hinted that there might be a world of retirement. I, I call this bluff. I think most people call this bluff on something like that. And then yesterday at the ESPYs, he made his entire speech about saying that he still got a lot to give to the game as if anybody questioned if he didn't <laughs> just being dramatic family look cool as hell up there though. It's re- real life goals now i can't score 40,000 points but god damn it i can win an award for something and end up at the espies or host the espies one day i don't know um but he's just ultra dramatic in the best and worst way possible like even on the basketball court as we know he was um maybe king flopper of the league one of the king floppers of the league uh, with with Vladi Divac and Manu Ginobili being up there as well. Uh, when Nazi Muhammad pushed him down, that was the best moment in Bulls fandom other than Derrick Rose's MVP season and current Bulls fandom after the 90s. Um, and nothing is more dramatic than when that man got fouled by Tatum and they didn't call it and he threw that whole tantrum. Like, boy... That moment, I will forever remember that moment. When I think about LeBron James, there's a few moments that I, oh, I should do episodes where I'm just going through the history of players and thinking about my favorite moments. I remember the time he took over against the Detroit Pistons where he scored 20 plus points in a row by himself. I'm going to think about the shot against the Orlando Magic. I'm going to think about the decision because that was a crazy moment in fandom. I'm going to think about the block and coming back down 3-1. I'm going to think of <laughs> think about him fake coughing at the press conference to mock Dirk. And then I'm going to think about the bubble. Uh, um, that, that was that was that's a good one. I'm going to think about it's about damn time. And then I'm going to think about the temper tantrum he threw on that random regular season game when Tatum fouled him. It's up there. It's it's all time LeBron moment. He ain't retiring, man. You got a, too much to give. Imagine the Lakers made all of them offseason moves for yesterday. LeBron during the ESPY say, that's all That's all she wrote for me. I would be pissed if I'm Palenka. Damn, you could shoot me no text a month ago th- telling me that she was even considering it. Gang, we gave D'Angelo Russell all of this money. We ain't have to do that. We, <laughs> we ain't have to do that. You should have just told us. We would let bro walk and then just brought in, um, I don't know, everything else. And the last sports-related topic that I want to talk about, just very briefly, is the uh, MLB All-Star Game happened a few nights ago, and it ended up being at 7 million viewers, which is a new record low, um, or a new low since they've been tracking the amount of people that are watching these festivities. 
um, which is kind of the consensus across all of the major sports. Because in the NFL, the Pro Bowl, which the Pro Bowl sucks. It's the worst of every single all-star festivity, whatever you want to call it. The Pro Bowl has 6.28 million people viewing it last year. The NBA had 4.59 million people watching last year. And the NHL had 1.5. The NFL number is the lowest it's been since 2006. The NBA one is the lowest in the history of tracking it. And then the NHL one was the lowest one since 2015. All all-star game numbers are down. The fans aren't caring about the all-star festivities. And again, this is just the game. I don't know if the three-point shootout dunk contest did numbers because Mac McClung was really doing that thing. I don't know if the home run derby did numbers, even though it was fucking horrible to watch. The home run derby is not is the old head of me. The home run derby is a lot worse nowadays than it was when I was a kid because we can't see the damn ball. Since they changed it away from being total outs to being a time thing. The pitcher's just throwing and the hitter's just hitting and there's no time to admire a 460-foot hit ball because now Vladdy's hitting another one and this one's 412 feet. Just They need to re revert back to total outs so we can take our time and visually see. I know the overall home run numbers might go down, but I, I think I would be willing to sacrifice that because the presentation of it all would be a lot better but that's neither here nor there as many of y'all know i'm locked in on baseball like more than i've ever been since i was a kid and i'm watching random regular season games in this 162 game season and i'm i know a, a lot of the players i mean not on a personal level but like two years ago i couldn't tell you who the rotation of a certain team was i'm pretty locked in to that extent um and i did not care to watch the all-star game not even a little bit ask me what happened I wouldn't be able to tell you. I wouldn't be able to tell you what happened in the All-Star game with the best collection of talent in baseball, American baseball, was, was put together. Because I don't know. Those other leagues got a lot of stars. Murakami. Munitaka Murakami. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Roki. 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 I'll just say Roki. It's a lot of talent in these other leagues. Um, so I'm just going to say American talent. Even though, obviously, the percentage of Americans playing are probably lower than some of the other countries, but you get what I'm saying. MLB, the best talent in MLB, right, are together, and I could not care less. Shohei Otani, Mookie Betts, all of these dudes are sitting there and they're doing stuff, and I did not watch. So why? What about the game made me not even want to tune in for a single second? What was it missing? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Of course, I've never watched a Pro Bowl before, even though I know it sucks. I never watched the NHL All-Star Weekend, so I don't. I mean, I'm saying I'm, I, I'm, I don't know if it's good or bad. But I have been a guy that at least watched the All-Star games in basketball and in in baseball. And this year, I didn't really care. I didn't care to watch. And that's coming from a dude that's really locked into baseball, right? So how can you convince? Even though the numbers are good, like seven million is low. But it's a lot higher than what the NBA is doing. You know what I'm saying? It was higher than the NFL. It was the highest of all the major American sports. But if you couldn't convince me who stupidly locked in in my Jimmy Butler voice to watch the All-Star festivities, how can you convince the casual fan? You know, I think I think the All-Star festivities in general is catered and supposed to be catered to the general public. You know, we be talking about uh, 
war and, and WCR plus or all of these other fucking statistics as diehard MLB fans. And this that's not what this is about. This is supposed to be about personality. It's supposed to be about showing off the top end talent. And I couldn't care less. I don't know. And I just don't know why. I just don't know why. The NBA struggles with this problem, too. But I think their problems are stemming from the fact that the actual game isn't very good. It's not very competitive. Uh, we have had years recently where it was, where we were here in Chicago and it went down to the last basket. But for the most part, it's an exhibition where you don't play defense. And it's understandable, right? Imagine Giannis playing the best defense of his career and something happening and now he's injured. That that game, the, the best uh, NBA all-star game in a long time, caused Kimball Walker a shit ton. Kimball Walker basically didn't even play the second half of the season, uh, but he played like 40 games, 40 minutes in that one game. So I don't know. I thought there was more conversation to be had about the All-Star game. I just kind of wanted to showcase some numbers and say, like, hey, somebody needs to reformulate it. <laughs> it's Don't hire me because I have no suggestions whatsoever. Getting back to pressure. You know who's under an immense amount of pressure? I am. <laughs> I am. For the first time in my life, I have the opportunity to make a big decision about the future of my work as long as I've been like an on camera type dude um, I've been doing a lot of work independently obviously but I, I decided to team up with House of Highlights about five years ago and it's been it's been really good but for the first time ever I'm renegotiating contracts and it's not just one suitor so when I say pressure it's pressure to make the decision that's going to set me and my family up for a lifetime or for the length of the contract, whatever it may be. And there are so many different paths. And I don't know how many of them are the right are the right path. And this is not how many companies are involved or interested. But let's say there's seven different paths. What if only one of them grant me like my overall goal? And I'm going to say this right here to the couple thousand people that download this episode on Spotify because it will not exist on any other platform, at least at this point. My goal is to be a, a genuinely top dude in sports media. Not, oh, he's an up and coming rising dude who has a future. I want to be him. And I'm ready to put the time, the effort, the blood, sweat and tears, whatever it may be to make that a reality. But when you have... So many different people talking to you about how they can help you get to that point. And it all sounds good and it all sounds gravy and you only could select one of the options. What do you do? My life as I've known it so far, my adult life has been in an Internet oriented. Start a YouTube channel when I'm 16 years old. It becomes a full time job by the time I'm 19. I've worked two real jobs in my life. I worked at a movie theater for a couple months before I said, forget this, because it was one of those sit down and eat movie theaters. And I was a, a person that ran the food and I got treated like trash from the staff and from the customers I'm like this is not this is not worth it. I'm 17 years old. Find another job won't be hard. And it wasn't hard because I, I worked at a vitamin shop. Those are the only two real I'm putting in quotation mark real jobs that I've ever had. And both of those jobs happened, you know, early in my adulthood from 17 to to. What I say, 19. So two years worth of real 
job work. Everything else has been internet oriented. Everything else has been self-sustainable. It's it's me making content and people enjoying those con- that content and me using the funds based on that content to reinvest in the content to the point where I could buy a house and start a family and all of that. But not saying that that's going anywhere. I think my biggest fear in, in life is not capitalizing on the buzz that I have now and letting that transition me to a point where it's deeper than just YouTuber, where it's deeper than just, I don't know, the guy that has played this plays 2K, where it's deeper than all of that. Instead, it's like, dog, that's Kenny Beach on one of them once. And I get tweets and messages all the time of people that view me like that. And I appreciate it. But I don't view myself as that. You know what I'm saying? And the goal is to eventually view myself as that through the work. People always make fun of Kenny has this different project. He's starting this different channel. He's doing this and doing that. That's because I know no other way. I know no other way other than content, y'all. And I want to create content at the highest level. I have so many ideas for different shows that I want to develop. But I've got to the point where developing shows is hard to do by myself. I've I've invested and reinvested so much money into my own personal stuff. But some of the shows that I want to develop need more than just my own capital. <laughs> they need a team of people that trust my vision. And right now there are people that do to some extent. No offers are on the table, but to some extent they we get in those meetings and it's all it's all smiles. It's all we love you. It's all this and that. So how do I make the right decision? There's a lot of pressure because if, if this same thing was happening two years ago, it wouldn't be nearly as much pressure because I was living for myself two years ago. Y'all don't know. I got a kid now. I'm getting married in two weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like I like if I always I hate using the words fall off because it's the Internet and, you know, you can only control what you can control. Sometimes people grow out of the content and because of that, your your numbers go down. Me falling off. I'm putting in quotation marks again two years ago wouldn't have been that big of a deal I, I would have been ready to ride into the sunset with the funds that i've created go get a normal regular job and just chill and enjoy the rest of my life me falling off now is the biggest fear imaginable <laughs> because dog avery want to go to college don't she i want to help her get to that oh i don't know she's fucking 14 months I, she doesn't even know what she wants to do but falling off is a scary idea And I think that while I'm at the quotation peak of my powers, peak of popularity, it's important to make the next decision now so I can continue to build where right now I feel like an Internet dude and I want to be so much more. I want to be respected. And I I don't necessarily mean that I need a TV show because it's 2023. Who the hell? I don't even have cable. I don't have cable. If I got a show right now on one of these networks. More likely than not, I couldn't even watch my own show because I don't have cable. But when I when I say that type of stuff, it's it's a lot deeper than being known as an Internet guy. And I think right now that's where I'm at. And again, I'm 26 years old, so it's so early in the times like people usually have to grind for decades at a time to get to the point where they're even in front of some of the people that I've been in front of. And I'm appreciative of that. But I'm I got a lot of pressure on my back, man. I'm going to be real with you. And everybody that's been here for the journey, whether you subscribe a decade ago or you subscribe today or you just found out what the hell this podcast was because it was top four on the Spotify charts. I appreciate everybody equally, man. I, I genuinely do. And hopefully 
when we when we talk about the next chapter, once my contract is up and I renew with someone or I go somewhere else, we can be like, damn, Kenny made the right decision. That's all I'm asking for. You know what I'm saying? Tell a friend to tell a friend. Not an NBA podcast, baby.